0: (laughs) Come blast off in my time machine Third eye feeling like it Nevi Zane Blast off, blast off, blast off, blast off Blast off in my time machine. There I feel like an E Blast off. Blast off. Blast off. Blast off. Blast off on another episode of the Hyper Anomalous Esoteric Research Organization podcast, Hero Paranormal. Broadcasting just south of the Utah UFO Ranch in the heart of Shapeshifter Territory. My name is Ryan the original Outlaw of the Airwaves, bringing you an epic episode today. We've got somebody who, well, he's somebody I could talk to just about every day because he's not an armchair researcher. He's always in the field, always talking to the who, who's who, of just about every mystery, conspiracy, cryptozoological area, The guy really networks, and the guy really gets out there, gets his hands dirty, boots on the ground, he's never just hanging out. In fact, I think he's on a traveling adventure as we speak, so I really appreciate him coming on, none other than Awakening Man. You may also know him as Eric, the Awakened Adventurer. He's always on an adventure, always doing research, and it's good research. Welcome to the Hero Paranormal Podcast. Eric hey
1: buddy I'm excited to be back we've <laughs> you and I have both been doing so much research since we last talked that uh, there's enough information that between the two of us uh, and the and the people that we discuss our our research with that uh, we could fill like volumes of books with I'm
0: sure I was thinking the same thing and I was telling the listeners uh, during the introduction how you are one of those researchers that i'm I'm seriously jealous of how often, you're on adventures, doing research, doing recon. You seem to always be out in the field. You just got done with uh, being out in the field, or actually currently are. And um, it's amazing. I want to kind of talk about this uh, recent expedition you had uh, and and what was found out there, If what you can discuss, because I know there are some, some NDAs involved and uh, government uh, ties, but Let's get into some of that if we can and also really quickly can you tell listeners about your own podcast as well which is fascinating.
1: Ah, interesting you should bring that up. Uh, recently I, I I went back on the YouTube to to view my uh, you, the YouTube channel that I share with Vinny Kocius to go and review some of the videos that the interviews that we had done and the, the channel was missing and I thought why why can I not find this channel? So I contacted Vinny and I said, Vinny, uh, our YouTube channel, Altered, is is gone. What what happened? And she said, Eric, she goes, let me tell you what happened. And I, I could tell that she didn't want to tell me because it, it happened, and she didn't tell me maybe because she thought I would be upset, which I wasn't really upset, but I was very disappointed. But anyway, she said that um, – she was, and she's very uh, tech savvy. She wouldn't have made a mistake, but she said that she was uh, downloading the, the shows onto some other format or whatever. And, uh, and then she went to click to do whatever you do when you're working with YouTube, and this, everything that she had done was erased Completely Whoa. erased the Rick Doty interview. All those those interviews that we did oh. were gone. And I thought, ah, oh, do we have copies of this? She says, no, we don't. And I said, if you contacted YouTube? Can you see if if we could maybe they've got it in some archive somewhere? and We just and she says, I've been trying to contact them, and they don't respond. They don't even respond to her. They just ignore her. So my if I was going to use my conspiratory uh, you know mind here and think. Well, I think probably if 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 they did shut us down like it appears they did, that that we had the fact that we had Rick Doty on there talking about the human hybrid program that's being that that we believe or that Vinny believes was being done out there at Groom Lake. I mean, it's such a wild story, but there's there's some decent uh, and high and quality information that might substantiate this that's going to come out in Vinny's book. Um, they might not. Uh, they might have just shut all that down. They don't want that to be talked about. And I think that Dodie Dodi be willing to, he talked about it. You know, didn't really get into details. Didn't really co-sign it completely, but didn't didn't disagree that it's not possible. Um, somebody must have saw that interview and decided we we can't have Rick Doty and these people out there talking about this, and they just erased it all. So we have no record of it, which is really a drag.
0: Man, I heard that interview, and I'll tell you, there were some extremely volatile, uh, dangerous topics covered. And, you know, as far as Awakening Man, are there any other uh, spots where you're online where people can follow you?
1: Uh, no, here's what, here's what I kind of learned. Uh, oh, and maybe you've kind of learned too, but you might be able to, you, I'm sure you can relate to this is in the beginning, like five years ago, uh, I was doing that show with John Polk, the quantum hologram matrix. Mm-hmm. And I was traveling around and, and, and meeting people like Stan Friedman and, 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 uh, what's his name up there, uh, Travis, Travis Wall. I mean, I, the list goes on. I mean, anybody that was ever at a conference that, that had information that I thought was good information or important information, I was able to meet and interview on that show. And then uh, that's another show. You won't find the Quantum Hologram Matrix uh, shows anywhere. But those were some of the best shows because John Polk and I—we—we we didn't have any filter. We would just go on. We would ask whatever questions we wanted to ask. We would talk about whatever we want. And this five years ago, before you know the 2017 uh, surge of uh, UFO disclosure came about with the, all the videos and the Tic Tacs, uh, we were kind of under the radar. But but then those shows were, have all been deleted. And we can't recover those either. Those are all missing. All that work that we did is missing. So I kind of decided that, okay, I need to kind of just keep a lower profile because, as you may know, if you, if you kind of pictures, if I put myself in a high-profile position where I've got a show or a podcast or a YouTube channel where I'm always posting all my research, um uh, I, I could to some degree be targeted. I, I believe that, not, not maybe in a violent way, but in a way where they would want to suppress my information or, or try to debunk me or try to make me look crazy or silly. I've already kind of experienced that on UFO Twitter a little bit where some of the stuff that I put out is, is, is too far down the disclosure road. They're not People aren't ready for some of this information, even information that you've collected. Uh, I'll be willing to bet that in a few years, some of this information will be out and you and I will have a beer one day and we'll say, yeah, we knew about that two years ago, but we didn't, we didn't want to risk it. So we kind of kept it on the down low, right?
0: Yeah. <laughs> some know? of these, you got to keep some of these things on the down low. Cause I mean, sh- shadow banning has been around for a long time and it's practiced yeah. on almost all websites and social media platforms to ensure they they claim to ensure it's a safe space and, YouTube regularly makes changes to its algorithms that automatically block channels, which the AI determines is violating their community standards. The problem is, well, for example, I recently was super excited because I got an email from YouTube saying, Hey, you're monetized. And uh, I was like, Oh, wow, I've never even, you know, I'm not in it for the money, never really cared. And I know you don't either. But I what? thought, oh, hey, this is perfectly cool. I clicked on the link. I went in, and then it said, never mind. Um, <laughs> never, oh, never mind. It said, never mind you. Uh, what was the exact terminology?
1: Never mind, and no super cats for you.
0: Yeah, nothing big. <laughs> exactly. Like, like you have the listenership, but you don't meet the criteria. And yeah. I started looking into it, and there is, it's just really whack. It just seems like it's a game of whack-a-mole and... And you never know what's going to pop up. You never know what they're going to slam out of there and not want to be online. Sometimes you'll post something. It just won't show up. It's really, it's really kind of uh, discouraging. But you're right. You have to keep a lot of these things under wraps. I know there's some um, stuff on your recent expedition to... Uh, uh I, I can i name the place where, where yeah, you,
1: yeah go ahead i mean uh we well, have yeah, go for it um
0: i know you, you were up there in upper stony creek on a on a Bigfoot hunt for lack of a better word and you ran into some mind-blowing things can we go into that a bit
1: absolutely yeah that's uh, yeah. what's amazing is i live in california lived here my whole life and um you know when we were a family we traveled around a little bit i've been to all the places you know shasta and and uh you know the other ski resorts and you know, but I'd never been to the Sequoia, the Sequoia Forest before up there. I, I, I never even knew what was up there, or what it looked like. And uh, my friend of mine uh, had, he knows I'm into Bigfoot and he wanted me, he wanted to go check this out. He's not really a, a researcher, but he knew that I was into it. So he, he found this campsite up there and he says, yeah, we need to go up there. He says, I think it's, I think there might be some things up there that we might find interesting. So he, we went up there for five days and, um, yeah there's some megalithic megalithic type rock structures up there uh you've probably seen those before where they just where we have rocks kind of fitting with other rocks that that when you look at from a certain angle they appear as if almost like they were carved and at one point, they look like they might have been art, because of just the, they might even look like they're creatures. I mean, I have pictures. I'll send them to you. Uh, maybe if you wanted to post them on your on your channel or whatever, I don't have a problem with that. But, but what I'm saying is, that when you go into the mountains and you're hiking around and you start seeing these massive rocks that are in the middle of the forest and there's no other rocks around, you just you start to wonder how did these get here? Why are they here? And and what what was the purpose? So your mind starts to go. And then, you know, and then you start uh, hearing stories and, you hear, you know, hear about sightings and so on and so forth. And, you know, and, and then the bell starts going off and you're like, ding, 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 you know, like, okay, this, this could be a hot spot. So, uh, anyway, I was telling you earlier before we went on air that I went into this store that's up there. There's a gas station up there that also sells food and they have a restaurant. And I'm just kind of looking around for what they got in the store and I see this Bigfoot hat there uh, and I'm thinking... You know, I've been to a lot of places where they sell Bigfoot paraphernalia, and it's usually in areas where people have claimed to have Bigfoot sightings. So I I asked the lady at the cash register, I said, I noticed you guys got these hats here. I says, have you heard of any stories about Bigfoot being sighted up here? And there were two ladies uh, back there working. And the one lady right away says, uh, yeah, we've, you know, we have had some, some stories and some sightings. I says, well, can you give me an idea where this is? And she says, you need to go to the end of Highway 180. It's Kings Canyon. And also out in that area, about 30 minutes drive before you get to the end, there are some caves out there that I even knew existed. Um, and you can pay $16, go on a tour, and you could go inside these crystal uh Crystal Granite Mountain Cave System, and literally, I've got pictures. It's it's like a whole other world in there, and I'm thinking, well, you know, if if they found this, and there's these massive mountain caves all over the place that that have never been explored, because you can't, some of these you can't hike up into; they're just too steep and too far. But you wonder, you know, if if Bigfoot were to want to hide, for example, th- that would be a perfect place for them to go into the mountain and just just kind of hang out down there. Um, so, yeah, so we did go down there. I, this trip was like a scouting trip where i didn 't actually do a lot of boots on the ground field research deep in the forest, but I, I found the area where I believe they could be based on the reports and the just the general vibe that I got from the area. So we are going to go back. Maybe we can get you to come up there sometime um, oh. and then there 's another area, um, Shaver Lake. Uh, I think the road is one hundred and sixty eight if i 'm not mistaken. It goes up to Shaver Lake and up to Clear Lodge. And it goes into the Sequoia Sierra forest area, and up in that area, there's a there's a uh, a forest um, station, a forest, uh, you know, federal forest fighters. They're up there. They got their their little hut up there, whatever they stay at. And uh, and how I got this information was the girl, the other girl that was working at the at the cash register. Uh, I said to her, I said, well, I'm a, I just told her I'm a Bigfoot researcher. I says, if, you know, do you know if your eyes got kind of big? And she says, oh, my God, my friend just sent me this text two weeks ago. I And I go, can I see it? So she shows me on her phone these pictures of these footprints. And this guy's got a size 13 shoe next to this footprint that the foot itself on the footprint is at least twice as wide as a normal foot. And it had to be no less than 19 or 20 inches. And I'm not exaggerating. This put, This print was huge. And then there was another print that looked like a handprint that was inside the another a, a separate footprint where maybe whatever this thing was, it had put its hand partially inside this the, the footprint, and you could see this person's hand inside the handprint, and the hand is huge too. So, then the guy tells the girl in the text message, I says. Uh, He's sending you all this information on this text message. Is it okay if I take pictures of this just so I can remember the story? She so was, yeah, go ahead. So I'm taking pictures with my phone off her phone of the conversation that she's having with this guy, and I've got, I'll send that to you too, where he says, uh, and I'm not going to say his name or where this station is because I don't want to throw him under the bus. But he doesn't work there anymore, and I think this is why he told her this story. But they had, they were approached by some, some agency within the government that works for the force agency because they had three encounters up there, um, and they were told they had to sign an NDA not to discuss it. So uh, this is a story that's not even out there. So I'm hoping to uh, get a hold of this guy and have a conversation with him, and maybe he'll even take me to the area where this is. If not... Um, I'll get an idea where it is, and I'll go up there with a, one or two guys, and I'll, and I'll find the area, and then just see what I. Uh, I tr- footprints are really hard to find. I mean, but if you could find tree structures, then you know you struck gold because when you see four, five, six trees kind of woven together like a teepee, that are huge logs, like forty, fifty, sixty foot long, maybe around as big as around as your waist you know, pinned up, uh, you know, something was going on there that wasn't made by man. And then that to me is an indication that whether they're there now, they were there before. I've seen these structures in several states, so I get real excited because I'm not really afraid of them, although I've been told that there are certain areas in the United States, like, for example, Arkansas, Arkansas, the the legend of Boggy Creek, uh, Texarkana up there. For whatever reason, whether it's Bigfoot or not, I don't know. But that creature up there that they call uh, the Boggy Creek Monster, which is kind of like their Bigfoot up there, uh, that guy or those people up there are not as friendly or they're not as forgiving as some of these other areas that you might uh, hear about Bigfoot encounters. So uh, anyway, it's fascinating. It's you know it's a shift away from UFOs and uh, skinwalkers and uh, and aliens. To me, it's Man. a little more on the on the low key side. To me, actually doing Bigfoot research is a lot more relaxing than it is trying to do UFO research. I, I kind of find that more entertaining.
0: And you don't get a lot of the the characters and personalities that take it so personally. Uh, I've yeah. found, and and you know, I'm I'm glad that you mentioned that non disclosure agreement with the uh, Forest Service. I've seen those USDA forest service, uh, NDAs out of West Virginia. And, um, it's, I, I understand, well, no, I don't, not really. I don't really understand why they would do that when it's a national forest, but I guess if you're an employee, I get it. But there is, there's so much 411 written all over this kind of stuff because, you know, these sensitive areas, uh, getting conditional access to sensitive areas, with classified information the the government has placed you know a, a lot of a lot of information uh behind the scenes where people cannot gather it and these are technically kind of public places i mean you would think the national parks would be a place where there would not be much hidden but it's exactly the opposite
1: yeah yeah there's definitely a cover up uh, there's even uh back in i think it was 1970 or 68 somewhere in that era the the fbi had done uh put out information about bigfoot i mean if, if somebody really wanted to try to figure out if it was real or not there, there is information out there that verifies that, that this is a legitimate phenomenon that it's not just some woo-woo story that you know harry and the hendersons you know it's that you know to me i i'm excited about bigfoot because i think I have the chance for me to potentially have an encounter or a sighting or an experience is tenfold compared to if I'm going to have a uFO land uh, you know out in the desert or if a, or if an alien's going to get out and come over and say hi i I don't imagine that's going to happen, but I do imagine that I could potentially have a bigfoot experience and that's why I'm out there doing it because i I want to have these experiences because they're just so they're just exciting. I mean, you know, you've got your spot out there at Wolf Creek. I mean, the stuff that that we're not going to talk about too much on the air today, but whatever you can, sure. I'd like to turn the tables. Can you talk about some of the things... I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be the questionnaire guy for a second. If you don't mind, right? <laughs> Tell me about your recent trip out there, because the reason why I'm I want you to talk about it, because recently on Twitter Spaces, There was a topic was Skinwalker Ranch, and there were several people on there that are not boots on the ground researchers. These are armchair, armchair YouTube researchers who read a lot of information but aren't really interviewing people. They're only. It almost appears that people are looking for some people are looking for a reason not to believe something. So if somebody can put out some information that might be partially true, partially disinformation. Uh, that can verify their their belief system into thinking, oh, this that skinwalker ranch, it's it's being exaggerated, that stuff's not really happening. They're just trying to make money. And I'm thinking, no, 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 that's not what's happening. But if you want to believe that, I'm not gonna argue with you because I got better things to do with my time than to argue with somebody who's never had an experience before, right? It's it's
0: like there's it's it's like everything. You know, it's not black or white. There's shades of gray and I can recent recently, uh, luckily my holding agreement with the television company recently ended. So I can speak a little bit more forthright about this now, but, um, yeah, uh, there is of course the Hollywood aspect that you've, you've got to figure there, if something is happening somewhere, let's say, um, you're filming ice road truckers or something along that line the likelihood of actually catching, you know, them going off the road and having an accident is highly unlikely. In fact, uh, practically zero. So I understand the Hollywood aspect of why these production crews have to recreate certain circumstances, which are inevitably impossible to actually document in real time. And... Um, unfortunately, when this happens, people perfectly explain it all oh, as a big, huge hoax. So right. it doesn't mean that it's not happening. So yes, there are powers in the area, uh, that are media related that are definitely making a killing, um, making money, doing, uh, doing things that are entertainment. And there are entertainment companies in the area that are making money Providing entertainment. Take that for what it's worth. However, there are very real, and you can take this to the bank, very real manifestations of dark adepts, trickster persona, shapeshifters, and things such as cryptids, elementals, dogmen, um, whatever you want to call the trickster that has kind of permeated this, this area. It is shapeshifter territory. There are very real, and I cannot I cannot emphasize this enough, very real things taking place which cannot be explained. Can you catch it on camera? Most of the time you can't. I've tried, I've got cameras all over the place, and when the real, you, you might catch a little bit of the hooey hitting the fan, but for the real, real epic, just jaw-dropping instances, it's usually just out of frame. The camera shuts down. Something else takes place. There's technical difficulties. There's a power outage. For some reason, Strata Networks doesn't have the internet running at that time. The stuff happens when it happens, and there's a that's. I mean, this is exactly why the unusual trickster has this. This uh, is appreciated by you know everyone because this yeah. is they they are patient they wait they wait for the right moment to do what they do and when they do it it just it it's going to blow you away so i yes uh, to answer kind of a lame answer but to answer <laughs> your que- to answer your question in a realistic way it's a very real phenomena in my opinion it has been for some time we've been finding things that are not explicable or we're not there we've we've covered that property with uh, investigators looking for things, looking for items, looking for tokens or things left behind by some of these things that are passing through many times. And yet, at, you'll go through, for example, with a metal detector, and you'll go through certain areas, quadru them off, you know, make sure that kind of in a checkerboard style, you've covered all the bases, you'll find very little, you know, remnants of a, a an RV we had there at the base camp at space wolf research that got vaporized in the middle of the day by a seeming lightning bolt. And you'll, you'll catch little pieces of metal from that and little, little bits of this and that. But recently we've been walking through, for example, again, just doing another run because why not, you know, what's the worst that can happen. And we're finding completely different items. We're finding, uh, a barrage of old coins from the 1800s that in my opinion, I could be wrong, maybe the wind kicked the, the dust off of them or my metal, our metal detectors weren't working as good the first time, but the amounts of these coins and the types of coins are absolutely mind-blowing. And uh, yeah, the age, the time period that they all seem to fit in is very odd. Um, one particular coin was a Chinese coin from the 1800s that was most likely, uh, that of a early businessman there in Fort Duchesne, who was known to have, um, started the first mercantile, um, trading post for lack of a better word, had two, uh, Ute tribal wives, um, really a kind of a force of nature, this guy. And, and... He lived on that side of this verdant valley that I like to call, um, you know, the UFO corridor or shapeshifter territory. Mm-hmm. And and it's right on the same side of this base camp known as Space Wolf Research. And it's it's interesting the things you find. We have found little altars recently that appear to be made of skulls, wood, and rocks that are placed in such a way that man I mean there
1: and you're you're a smart guy and you're very discerning I really actually if, if and I'm you have a beautiful wife and kids so your your family life' you're, you're set that's your that's your path but if you, if you were a single guy dude I'd be knocking on your door every day dragging you out there because you'd be the perfect research partner as far as I'm concerned
0: <laughs> it is it's it's one of those things this I you know I I'm naturally. I'm kind of I, I'm blessed to have the family life because if not I would probably be completely mad. I'm already pretty crazy,
1: but <laughs> uh, you're, yeah. you're not as crazy as me though. That's what I like about you though. You kind of keep me grounded. <laughs> yeah.
0: But but it's outrageous. As you mentioned, it's outrageous. The things happening in certain parts of the southwestern United States and other places. You know, these shapeshifters, these hitchhikers that seem to be mysteriously attaching themselves.
1: Okay. Actually, hold on. Let me cut you off. You mentioned yeah. hitchhikers. So I've heard these stories and I don't dis- and I don't disbelieve them. But have you personally or do you know anyone personally, not the guys that worked at Skinwalker Ranch or that still work there? Have you got any kind of evidence or, or information that might lead us to believe that, that, that this that this is real or that it's more real than people realize?
0: Hundred percent, man. Hundred percent. There's, it could be attributed to many things, and you know, it could be. It's very gin-like to not get Middle Eastern on it, but it's yeah. very gin-like. These invisible forces, these beings, which aren't visible to us, but yet they inhabit this earth, and it seems as if they can cause these um these attachments, these quantum entanglements. In certain areas near vortexes and portals uh, and high strangeness, they can, they can quantumly entangle themselves with the observer and then go home with them, for lack of a better word, and manifest at will. Uh, the thing I've noticed the most is um, children's toys here because I have kids. We've got many children's toys in the backyard that are electronically operated They uh, have batteries or you plug them into the wall, little riding scooters, little riding, you know, silly stuff. Sometimes these things will all fire up and it's enough to just, (laughs) you just want to shriek with this mysterious threat that kind of, and I know I've been in this game long enough that I know that it's just wanting attention and it wants interaction. That's the beautiful thing about the trickster and what I love about it so much. It just, It wants to communicate any way it can. However, I've heard very tragic other circumstances where it manifests in much darker, malevolent ways. So I guess I'm blessed that it's usually quite playful, in my opinion. Um, But it is also, if if you're not used to it or ready for it, it can definitely freak you out. I recently had my mom up there at the base camp at Space Wolf Research, and she uh, took a backpack and, um, to, to put it lightly, this thing was pretty packed with stuff. You know, she said, I definitely want to stay out there with you. She's a little older in age. I'm like, mom, I'm not sure if you want to stay out there. And she's like, oh yeah, you know, I'm, I'm used to this tide. This is, doesn't scare me. And, uh, we had a couple events out there that were very inexplicable. Um, very frightening. One event was a, well, I'll just tell you what happened. I, it was about 1:15 AM and I heard outside. I heard what sounded like my car doors opening and closing, which is actually quite common. And that's, uh, I've had this happen before and others have as well. And I looked up and out and from where we were sleeping and I saw what appeared to be two flashlights going around the car. So I was still kind of waking up. I said, "Mom, I'm gonna put my boots on and go out there. I think a couple people might be messing with the rig." I went out the uh, I went out of the sleeping quarters towards the vehicle, and I was very still, very quiet. I heard zero footsteps, saw zero lights. There was absolutely no nothing and nobody there. Well, then I saw a spotlight for lack of a better word shining down near a fire pit so i walked over to this fire pit and this spotlight that was on the ground it had zero point of origin um you could not you could not see where it was coming from it had an angle to it which could perfectly be seen but there was no origin like there was nothing there it was coming from nowhere and i even got in the spotlight this beam of light coming down on the ground near the campfire ring. And I was trying to cast a shadow onto the ground and I could not cast a shadow. At this point, I'm thinking, is this real light? By now, my mom had come and she was witnessing what was taking place and she yelled my name. And to her, it must've looked like I was being abducted by aliens because there was a spotlight of this this light coming out of you know the air. I'm in it near the campfire ring. And I said, get over here, mom, come here. It's totally harmless. And she walked over and came over and she stood in the light with me. And I showed her how you could not cast a shadow on it. And then it would go off and then it would come back on. And anyway, the, the function was she, she remains a believer at this point by any, any (laughs) measurement. And, uh, back to the not to get tangential but back to the backpack she brought on this trip when yeah. when we got back uh we were in actually we were down in southern utah checking something else out and um she put her backpack up on the bed of this hotel and that backpack which was very loaded with a lot of stuff quite heavy flew off the bed we both witnessed it it just flew off the bed And she looked at me like a rocket, you know, and she looked at me and she's like, you're kidding me. And I said, no, you know, this, this happens. Don't freak out about it. It's quite normal. And I I tried to kind of rather nicely capture the uh, idea of the hitchhiker effect to her so that it didn't scare her, but it's very real. So um, to the naysayers, I get it. There is a human aspect that monopolizes monetarily on some of these things that's you know given the track record of humanity that is just the way things work themselves out but it doesn't mean that it's not really happening i mean just because there's a lemonade stand in front of old faithful the geyser it doesn't mean the geyser's not real it just means you can get a glass of lemonade on the way to see it so i don't know if that answers your question
1: no that does that that's uh that's interesting because um you know look thinking back you know finding bigfoot searching for bigfoot going you know all these shows uh that they've had and then now they've got the skinwalker show and they've had that for a while And they've got the uh, blind frog Ranch show and uh, there's there's like what was it what's that show where there or those two brothers are always uh digging for gold uh that's been on for 10 years now mm. what's that show called
0: oh uh, is this the uh I, well there's so many <laughs> yeah. there's so many the brother uh, the brothers i'm trying to two think brothers
1: they're they're out there they've been digging for something like lost treasure on this island oak island
0: oh yeah 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 okay yeah so so i mean
1: if you if you watch these shows and you follow the narrative and then you here's here's my interpretation of what's happening is uh the people that are allowed to have these shows and i say allowed to and i don't mean that and i mean it you know what i mean it's like you know you, you could have a show for example but unless you're going to subscribe to the narrative and the protocol they're not going to give you the show so i it's my my impression is that some of these shows um they're they're using this information because they know it's real but they're kind of downplaying it sugarcoating it a little bit kind of maybe even making it seem not as freaky as it is but but the the deal is there it's a narrative control situation like it seems to me like even the skinwalker show Um, And I'm not talking trash about the Skinwalker show. I mean, I I don't really, I don't watch it anymore. I watched it in the beginning, but I I didn't get a vibe from it that really told me that that the information I was getting was it just it had a a kind of a intelligence vibe to it. You know what I said? Just this guy and Travis now apparently admitted that he was uh, part of uh, you know. It, it, they, they somehow these guys always get on these shows that either used to work for the CIA, maybe they were contractors, or maybe they didn't work for the CIA, maybe they worked for some other agency. But the point is that all the information that's coming out on these shows is monitored, in my opinion. It is carefully crafted. And maybe they – what, what it appears is happening is things are happening, but they're never able to capture it on video, so they just recreate it and then they put it on TV so they let people know that yeah this happened and, and here it is no big deal don't worry about it and it kind of satisfies people's curiosity but but it's all sugar coated right do you get that impression too
0: you have brought up something so big uh, to include in this podcast and that is um the important possibly the most important thing about these uh the these media organizations um i i'm currently i have been for some time and i I, been approached by these television conglomerates and they want what they want and it's it's tough because i play ball a little bit back and forth with the uh with the holding agreements here and there and the and um for times short time periods NDAs and you know going back and forth with the Zoom meetings and seeing if there's chemistry tests uh to see if you get along with other people they want to have on the shows now the the phenomenal thing is and this is why I'm probably a problem is <laughs> is there's <laughs> there's so much real real evidence, real research impacting my decision that it's got, it's got to be a real tasty bait on that hook for me to bite. And, um, because I don't want to give up the real for something that is, uh, manufactured is somewhat, yeah, a little bit, uh, uh, manufactured. It's like a hybrid story that's got truth and
1: manufacturing blended together for the television audience. Is what it seems like.
0: It, it does. I've I've had some TV experience, and I know it's a slippery slope. So the temptation is there. Um, I'm I'm always in talks. I'm currently in talks, and it is. Uh, I'm not against it, but I I have to be very true to myself because. It's difficult. they humans are a gullible lot. and um, they're always ready b- to believe something and they they I understand that. We all want to believe that our existence here is explained by the existence of something that we can't see because then that that adds credence to the afterlife or the possibility of reincarnation or other species. And I'm all about that. i'm I'm with that a hundred percent if I could somehow legitimately prove that to the masses in a way that is um, structured correctly and not, not overinflated or blown out of proportion, I'd be the first one to sign in blood on that document and be like, let's do it. But (laughs) unfortunately there's undoubtedly these forces that, I mean, you've got to, I think the term in Hollywood is jumping the shark. There was a, There was, uh, you know, the, uh, basically there was a a TV series. Um, oh, I cannot remember the name of it. What's the Fonz? The Fonz was on it. Uh, The Happy Days. And they kept having to get, you know, more and more watchers. And I think the Fonz, this particular episode, the Fonz was out surfing, you know, with his perfect hair.
1: I remember this episode. Actually.
0: Yeah, man, and a shark, <laughs> a shark tries to attack him, and he jumps over the shark. And so they call it jumping the shark in media, and that's the problem. Eventually, you're going to have to jump over the shark or do something that is that goes against your morals in some way, shape, or form. Either recreating something or making something seem a bigger deal than it really is. And I yeah. have, I've, I've. Unfortunately, I do have some issues with that. So, I do too. Yeah, yeah. it sucks. It sucks. Yeah. I wish. I w- sometimes I wish I was more sheeple in nature. Well, you know, here's the deal.
1: They they seem to. Okay, here's my opinion. This is, and I, I have no evidence. I, I'm not gonna. If I did have evidence, I'm not gonna provide it. But I'm just gonna tell you my opinion. Is that uh, these people that are able to be a part of these shows, some of them I believe are. Uh, I don't want to word this right. They, in all likelihood, they have had conversations with, with some intelligence agency, and they've been approved to do to be a part of these shows. Okay, I'll just say that part. The other part would be some of the guys that, that might be working on the show that are actually there, on, on you know, being seen in the videos, like whether they're security or whatever, or they're just there because they've got a title that they were a scientist or a physicist or they're a, a bodyguard, whatever their title is and they they might get you know who knows 5000 10000 15000 an episode whatever the number is and to them and their and their world that's a nice paycheck and they don't really have any skin in the game and they get to be they get to have a little popularity you know they get to show up at these conferences and you get people flocking to them. And, and so maybe that's what, maybe there's some ego involved in driving them to just go ahead and just say, you know what, I'm not in this for the research. Uh, I'm in this because it's, it's interesting, it's fun, and I'm getting paid. So you're not getting the full, sincere, genuine um, impression that, that really actually exists if you were there in person to experience it yourself.
0: Man, you just dropped a serious, this is so true, <laughs> man, serious <laughs> serious knowledge bomb because yes there's always something motivate and i i don't want to name names but yes there are a lot of times with this okay for example um this recent uh whoops or oh just so you know the uh NASA scientist is this guy and he just happens to be doing this for this there is even another layer to this yes. and 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 That layer is, well, I guess there's more NASA scientists that have been involved in the true invisible college who are being protected by the very fact that this name was leaked to kind of draw attention as a decoy from them. And um, so you're absolutely right. The intelligence community is always involved. And um, this particular individual... I won't name him, but he is known as, in Diana Pasulka's book *American Cosmic*, he is known as Tyler Durden. He, I've heard of this guy. Yeah, he is the real. Oh boy, he is the. Re- <laughs> he's the real he's, he's deal. He's at the top
1: of. He's at the top of the chain up there somewhere, the top of the the, the food chain uh, in terms of what's really he knows, right? This guy.
0: <laughs> yeah. Oh, dude. He, he's a he co-founder of NDS yeah. Incorporated, a surgical device company specializing in spinal products. He started his career at NASA where he was part of the Space Shuttle Challenger investigation. He holds 13 patents and is a frequent lecturer to aspiring entrepreneurs. He's somebody that I truly admire. Some people are super scared of him because he is known to uh, document, videotape, and record every conversation. It reminds me of you, but <laughs> I like that about you. And so I don't see that as a bad thing. I see that as a motivating thing. But, and you know, his explanation is, I do this because I don't want to forget anything. What if I have a super awesome conversation with somebody, we're investigating something that could very well be mind-blowing from a cosmic level, and I don't want to miss a beat. And that's yeah, why, so. yeah, yeah. I get I it. I
1: agree, and that's that's exactly why I do it. It's uh, I've got, dude. I've got. Geez, if somebody, I don't need, I don't need the money. But I'll say this: if somebody came to me, let's say, it would take at least. I don't want this to sound egotistical. But it would take at least a hundred grand. To get me to unload, unleash my vault of, of videos and recordings that I got. I wouldn't even c- consider doing it. I mean, I've got conversations that I had with Clifford Mahouti that have never been played. Oh, man. I've got information about Clifford Mahouti from his son, Skip Mahouti, that I recorded after he died at his home that uh, I'll share with you privately. See, here's what's beautiful about this is uh, – I could share people like you I trust or some other people I trust. I'll share privately this stuff. But, but you, if I put this out there uh, on, on the public forum, oh, I'm going to get attacked. I'm going to get uh, torn up. you know. And I, and I don't want to put my I get angry about that, so I just don't even bother sharing a lot of the stuff that I have because uh, I'm not out to improve, impress anybody or I'm not trying to make money off it. So I would have to drop a lot of cash. Even Clifford Stone's another guy. I mean, I, I went to his house out in Roswell, uh, I think it was 2018, Uh, uh, And and spent a whole day there and got to be in his room and and saw all his rooms full of the files and and he showed me documents and I said, he was letting me take pictures of some of the documents, but then sometimes he would, every now and then he'd bring out a document and he'd say, now I'm going to show this to you, but you can't take a picture of this, Mm -hmm. but you can read it. And so I would see it and then I would say, ah... So, Clifford Stone isn't crazy. He's not just some crazy old man making up these stories. Here's, I've seen the documents, I've seen his research, I've seen. So you know you're, you you just know after a while through intuition through your own experiences your own research who to believe and who who maybe you don't want to necessarily put the, the the approval on yet but but yeah you can, the puzzle pieces can be put together and I feel there are people out there that just don't have the time or the ability to go out and do this research but but yet they they kind of stay on that skeptical fence and sometimes that can be irritating because they might be. Uh, you know, putting some poo-poo on places like the Skinwalker Ranch and some of these other places because the narrative is being controlled, and, and they, so they're believing that the people that are putting out the narrative are, are are telling the truth, but then they find out that they're maybe they're not telling the truth completely. So then they try to debunk the whole thing, and I'm like, no, 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 don't throw the baby out with the bath, with bath water. That's not what's happening. But I can't prove it to them, so it's just my words. It's I call it just words in the air. They they really don't have any meaning until. Some somebody gets out there and actually sees for themselves what is happening. And it has an experience. If people, if there's people out there trying to act like they're experts on this stuff and they've never had an experience, I don't spend a lot of time listening to them. I just don't have the time for it.
0: You know, that's such a good point because the, the mind blowingness of these experiences is what a lot of people are missing. You know, they're following the money trail and unfortunately, and you know, I'm, I'm guilty of this as well as every other human being, um, people view the elites or anybody making more money than themselves as knowing something that they don't. And there's an instant amount of jealousy and envy that arises. And it's just a human characteristic. We're, we're self-centered, um, by our very nature when we had to be if you consider, you know, evolution and anthropomorphically how, how you know, how we've evolved over the millennia, this is a normal human emotion and very, you know, the alpha dog in the pack is always envied by, you know, the runts. And you got to remember that it's, it. these are kind of comparing apples to oranges, though, because these are normal human emotions, but in the greater scheme of things, it doesn't mean the alpha dog or this particular person or people or entities or companies or media, whatever. These It does not mean that there isn't something really going on. It just means that they have other motivational factors which are also included in the mix. And I think you put that really well, Eric.
1: Right on. Well, hey, let's backtrack for a second because I, I want—I I don't. You might have told this story on the air before. Hopefully, you can tell it again right now. But when I—the first time I actually met you in person was at that conference in uh, in Las Vegas. When uh, when uh, when Jeff Brunell and Brad Olson was there, and when we he called you up, I think it was, and invited you to come out and hang out. We had to, we had dinner and a couple beers or whatever, and you allowed me, which I thought, I thought was super cool. You started telling stories, and I thought, oh my god, this story is amazing. Can I record it? And you allowed me to record it. I haven't played that publicly, by the way. I've, I've shown a few little clips of it to a few friends, but but anyway. So the story that I would like you to tell again, and I'll and I'll lead you up to it, was you were out there with another researcher. I won't mention their name, uh, but you know, if you want to mention it, that's up to you. And you were doing some research, and you were out on the mesa, uh, close to where your property is and you were just kind of scoping out the, the land in the nighttime there, and you were looking down uh, into the area where the Skinwalker Ranch is, and you could see people down there, or at least people with flashlights, whatever, and they were kind of walking around doing their, their, their surveillance or whatever they're doing. They're kind of just scoping it out to make sure all's good before they go to bed. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say this last part, and then I'm going to stop and let you take the story from there. But you said that you could see these balls of light or whatever they were. There was some, some sort of light object manifested behind the heads of these guys that were out walking around and, and apparently they didn't even realize that this light object was following them around as they're kind of doing their groundwork. And then, and then what happened after that? Ryan? Please tell
0: that story, bro. That's such a great story, man. You have brought something up that uh, this recently um, came to light again uh, at, uh, there was some camera and I'll just go into this really quick before going okay. into that. A camera at, um, at Space Wolf Research that was pointed in a direction that you would think would just catch wildlife um, did exactly that. It caught a deer walking in front of the camera. And as you've mentioned, there was one of these orbs of light over the deer right behind it and basically following its every move. Now... I think it's important to point out that this is a deer. This is something that was born in these surroundings, very aware of its surroundings its entire life. It can hear a cricket chirp from 20 feet away and will take off. And yet this precognitive sentient light is functioning and following stalking an animal that has lived in these surroundings its entire life, so it t- that kind of fast forwards into the story you mentioned. Um, and these individuals that were being uh, also, I guess, sort of followed, stalked, um, followed around in in these in this area. These individuals, I've, I've come to befriend them. They're the best of the best military. They've been there. They've seen combat. They've done that. They they they're very aware of their surroundings. They would know if somebody was crouched seventy five yards away in the middle of a dark night because they know. Trust me. And yeah, and yet um, they were unaware that these sentient transient plasma phenomenal. Light sources are following them around, doing who knows what. And that, I think that's the key of the story, is what are they doing? They were able to follow these guys around, and for all intents and purposes, they may have been following us around and communicating to each other in in some sort of way. They're stalking and roaming these badlands with reckless abandon, these these
1: Well, you said plasma. Let me cut you off real quick. Yeah. Uh, You said plasma. Actually, that was a, uh, a Twitter Spaces conversation that happened last night. Uh, I'll send that link to you on Twitter, but that was a fantastic conversation. A lot of uh, informative, uh, intelligent people were involved. But, but the plasma thing, I first heard from Jay J. Widener five years ago, and I'm I'm pretty sure what I saw on Happy Jack uh, a couple years ago, uh, if I had to put a label on it, it, it wasn't a, a spacecraft. It wasn't an orb. It looked like a giant ball of plasma. What I would imagine plasma look like because it wasn't like a clear like the moon. It was the, the 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 round circle was undulating and it looked like there was energy coming off this thing, and it was kind of very slightly shape shifting. Very so slightly where you almost you you notice it, but you almost don't notice it. So so this plasma thing. Uh, I asked the question in the chat room last night. I says could it be conscious? Could it be sentient? And. There was a scientist guy on there who said, oh, well, we have no evidence of that. And da, 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 da. I'm like, of course, we don't have evidence for it. If we did have evidence, you wouldn't know about it because they're not going to tell you. I'm being sarcastic. But but yeah, so continue on because I'm really this plasma thing, I think, is the key to a lot of this information that, that really people haven't fully focused on yet.
0: Man, really good point, because I just recently read an article um, by a guy named uh, E.W. Hones Jr. Um, in the Space Science Reviews, and this This is, uh, well, this was published some time ago, but it, 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 this is the strange part. Transient plasma phenomena is, and, and it's relation to inclement weather too. We need to kind of get into this because Um, plasmas are known to arise when the energy levels are high, when, when a storm is manifesting, when, and it's, what's really wild about this is coincidentally, these are all the same times that native American cultures warn of these trickster phenomena also coming in with the dark winds, um, manifesting in, it kind of gives me chills, but manifesting in high electrical environments, uh, for many years, for many years, ball lightning, was considered the thing of hoax and myth. And totally fake and only you know within the last decade or so has it really been something that the window has opened up and scientists can get behind it and say this is a very real thing and they, they're, they're observing th- this plasma flow in magnetic fields and, and, and agreeing that it's real so my question like yours is is it sentient does it have intelligence behind it and I believe it does Because the way these things move, especially, you know, like, like what we caught on this camera following a deer, it is this, this, how is it that a ball of electro, electric energy plasma in, in shape and form and the way it moves very much described as, uh, I love that part of Hunt for the Skinwalker where George Knapp and Colm Kelleher put Sherman's words on paper of what he described this to look like. Literally a fluid swirling inside of a crystal clear ball plasma. I mean, it just comes back to this, you know, this transient plasma phenomenon, breaking it down just in from a research perspective. What could cause that? This, this has to be some kind of energy that has coagulated, in, for lack of a better word, into a particular region, and it's moving around intelligently. It seems intelligently controlled. When I originally was researching all of these badlands along shapeshifter territory in the Uinta Basin, all these mesas, all these washes... I immediately thought that this must be some sort of military-grade, high-technological, super-advanced drone of some sort. But as time passes, I'm really starting to wonder if this isn't something more ancient in in nature, if it's not something more... uh, more magic in nature from a cosmic perspective, because people have described these ghost lights, this this yes. these, for for hundreds and hundreds of years, if not millennia.
1: Yeah, all over the country and the, and and the world. Mm-hmm. Not just, I mean, we're talking about the Uinta Basin, but uh, and maybe it's it might be more condensed in that area potentially than other areas, but uh, there are other areas where these things are manifesting. And a real quick side note: uh, You got a chance to interview uh, Ryan Bledsoe, and I don't know if you've got a. I'm guessing you've got a chance to talk to Chris Bledsoe. But some of the pictures that he showed me on his own phone in San Francisco about three years ago, I was talking about this on another show last night, is uh, inside these. we'll just call them plasma balls, just for the sake of this conversation.
0: Much better, yeah, man. Yeah, the faces
1: of, uh, and you might have seen these pictures, the faces of uh, like a baby, of of a of a of a dog. Of, of of different pe- different uh, different beings let's just say are appearing very clearly i mean it's not like it's hard to see it you can see them in these plasma balls or whatever they are so 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 that to me is evidence, and maybe that is the reason. One of the reasons why why the Bledsoes uh, had every just about every intelligence agency send a representative over there. You know what I mean to monitor and to befriend them because uh, this is very unusual. He's got evidence. Uh, now here's the other thing that I mentioned, and and we don't have to go deep into this, but uh, I did do some research into technology, and uh, you know DARPA is, is the most advanced, as far as I know, has got some of the most advanced technological research they're doing and it's my belief based on some of the stuff that I've seen and heard, based on credible from credible people, that they're learning how to mimic some of this stuff to where they could actually re like they, that some people like Greer speculates about the fake alien invasion. Well, uh they we do have technology where we can manifest things that to most observers, if not all observers who wouldn't know differently, would believe that what they're seeing is more real than what it is. I mean, in other words, what you're talking about, what we're talking about happening out there, I don't believe the government is manifesting those things. I think those things are real. Do you agree with me?
0: Yes. And the problem is, I do agree with you. The problem is there is a lot of data that suggests that the military has recreated paranormal phenomenon in particular Areas of warfare, uh, we were talking and discussing about the jinn in the Middle East, and the jinn is, in fact, there is a similar cultural attribute as there is with the Native American culture and some of these darker entities, and it happens in every culture. Every culture fears something. There's always a boogeyman, and the military has recreated, documentedly recreated paranormal phenomenon um, one one very impressive case that came across to me was in Vietnam they uh, they would recreate dead soldiers screaming in the fields as if their ghosts were wandering around aimlessly to instill fear in the enemy and uh, it worked the stuff worked so I mean this this is. I'm not saying, I mean, all spare in love and war, right? So I'm not saying yeah. there's anything against that when your life's on the line. But at the same time, are these tricksters that are stalking people out in the badlands of Utah doing so for other purposes? Absolutely. There's, there's, there's so many, so, it, at least, you know, being in the area often. Uh, And speaking with people often, you find so many cases of when you're in there, and you know you've been there, when your boots on the ground, in the area, in the moment, all of a sudden all bets are off and you know that you're not the one in control. It's almost as if the landscape itself has secrets that it's hiding from you. And, And these manifest in different ways if you're there long enough. It's not a matter of if it's going to happen; it's a matter of when. As many of yes. the Bureau of Indian Affairs officers have told me. So, yeah, man. Yeah. I mean,
1: well no, one more thing. I want, two things I want to ask. You. So that, so you know about the the what the triangle that what appeared to be a massive triangle that that we filmed last year when we were out there, and then later uh, when Ryan and I, or excuse me, not Ryan, uh, when Jeff and I went, and you allowed us to stay overnight on your property there. Uh, he's, you know, I'm sure you've seen the video that, that uh, Jeff set up overnight. He was just filming in the sky while we were sleeping, and then the next day or the day after he was reviewing it, and he also captured what looked like a triangle object. Have you personally seen this, these triangle objects or filmed them or heard stories about them? I'm just trying to look for corrobor- uh, corroboration to what we've seen.
0: Absolutely. In fact, very recently, this brings about something super, super wild. Um, Very recently, July 22nd, there was a very strange uh, UFO. There were were some other things that were coming out of Hill Air Force Base at the time having to do with archaeology. And there's a whole subset of conspiratorial angles to this where a particular uh, archaeologist, a female, came out and was dropping knowledge bombs about something found in the West Desert, U-T-T-R, Dugway, a.k.a. Dugway, and um, about a very well-known doctor of archaeology who had found something out there. She insinuated that it was human in origin, uh, 9,700 to 12,000 years old, so going way outside of the timeline that is currently scientifically accepted for humans. And in addition, she um, kind of insinuated that it may be uh, how do I put this biological in nature. But the uh, here's the kicker: she put posted some videos on TikTok. Um, You know how TikTok is. It moves very quickly and virally. And uh, uh, there were a lot of people asking a lot of questions. She immediately removed all of her videos from TikTok, except for a few, and then quickly recanted her story, posted a proof of life video. That's how far this moved, how quickly this moved, posted a proof of life video uh, from in front of her residence. Basically saying, hey, I'm still alive. Everybody calm down. What I said was blown out of proportion. And I'm, I'm obviously just uh, kind of, in my words, uh, saying what she said. And that's, this isn't word for word. But this is my proof of life video. I blew things out of proportion. Please forgive me. And um, just so you guys know, I'm not into conspiracies or aliens. And she kind of threw that out there without any reason to throw that out there. And shortly thereafter, there was a, what in my opinion may have been an official cover story coming out of Hill Air Force Base about this prominent doctor in archeology span who had found some footprints out at UTTR at Dugway. And uh, there's images of the footprints online. You can go, I'll send you this stuff if you need it. It's pretty amazing in my opinion. And I'd like to see that. Yeah, the timeline is um, almost identical to what she had mentioned this 9700 to 12,000 year old timeline. However, what is mind blowing to me is one, what is this guy doing out in the middle of a uh, testing range? Without was he looking for these things? It number two, these footprints are not in my opinion, very uh, impressive, to say the least. Uh, So basically, they had carbon dated these footprints, which is if you go into the research of that, that's also very difficult to do. And the variables are immense, exponentially, especially as time goes on, in my opinion, and that of others, there's something more to the story. Now, going back to the original uh, conversation we were having in Rory, Utah, this is roughly the same exact time, July 22nd. there was a very strange sighting of a UFO that uh, was posted in various places on the internet, um, especially in these Utah investigatory uh, websites. Um, and July 23rd, uh, one of the researchers and a close friend of mine, Jeremy Mackey, up in the Uinta Basin of Utah, filmed the same. So the very next day, he filmed the same, without a doubt, the same UFO hovering over the Uinta Basin of Utah. And at Space Wolf Research, right there at the base camp, our cameras caught glimpses of the same UFO. So, this was, in his opinion, triangular in nature, very similar to what you filmed. And, you know, when it comes to triangles, there's a lot of argument online about whether or not these are government or not. And, I you know, there's there's the TR-3B, there's other Deltas. There's a lot of argument online about whether these are ours or theirs. Whether it matters or not, I don't know. But to kind of, yeah, just to kind of stir the pot a little bit, super recently, some, I mean, documented footage from not one, two, or three, but more sources than you can imagine. And also some really weird inklings coming out of Hill Air Force Base Justifying an archaeological find that, in my opinion, was far from being as 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 big a deal as they seem to be. Uh, let
1: me let me interrupt you real quick. Have you personally? I'm going to guess the answer is going to be yes. Have you done any recon out there in the vicinity of Hill uh, Hill Air Force Base yet?
0: The closest I've done is uh, just being in Layton, Utah. I mean, it's hard to avoid being in Leighton, Utah it's kind of a base town. Um, I've gone up and visited Ryan Layton, one of the very first researchers up there in the basin to speak with the Shermans, the um, Terry and Gwen. And they, uh, to put it bluntly, I mean, Hill Air Force Base is a Air Force town. I mean, that's what makes it click. And Ryan Layton lives right there in Layton. I mean, he's he's got a long familial history of the town, obviously, with his surname. And, uh, you know, when he first spoke with Terry Sherman there on the property and what he called the magical mystery tour, which is probably one of the most amazing conversations when you get him to talk about it, you know, here he is boots on the ground. One of the first guys, uh, other than the owner himself getting walked through the steps, you know, being pointed out the areas where certain things happened. And, um, Mr. Sherman was under the impression that this was 100%, much like myself when I first came across some of this phenomenon, that this was 100% military in nature and origin. He was sure that he was going to find some guy behind some tree with some kind of doodad, doohickey device or military toy of some sort, and he was going to beat the living crap out of him. And what he found over time is really the more eerie suggestion that there's nobody behind any of those trees. There's uh, <laughs> there's more going on. Is is the military involved and interested? Of course they're interested. Um, doesn't mean they're to blame.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So let's. Uh, I don't know. We, we probably. I I could talk to you all day, but I know you like to try to keep it short. But yeah, man. Let's go back to. Let's go back to that story. That uh, if you wouldn't mind. Where you were out there with your friend, and and then and then you saw those lights, following those guys around, and then and then they went into their 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 barracks or their wherever they sleep at night, and then all of a sudden these these light objects, I'll call them, started slowly kind of moving your direction, and then at that and I remember the story so well because it just blazed in my brain, and then you guys were kind of watching this, and then you got concerned. And you thought, well, let's let's move on here. And then you started kind of moving away back towards the area where you're located. And it, they, they got to the point where they were getting close enough where you felt the need to just kind of jump down in this ditch. Could you take the story from there, if, if you wouldn't mind?
0: Yeah. Uh, first, I'm going to kind of uh, <laughs> come out and say ahead of time that um, to anybody listening that there is a the powers that be still maintain guards at this area. So don't go try to visit unannounced. Um, And uh, at this time, um, this was a completely different ownership. Uh, In effect, there were completely different affairs taking place and we were technically um, not on property. So let me let me let me go ahead yeah, yeah. and it's just certainly and,
1: and this was before Brandon Fugel took over, I'm assuming. Though.
0: Yeah, this is integral to the story of the Sherman okay. um so let's you know there in, in those in those times there were different vantage points that could be effectively um especially with permission from anyway I won't go into it. But right. times were different. So let's just start there. And uh yes Um, To answer and to go into this question really quickly, Um, we were just relying on vision and what we were seeing take place in this hotspot. We were worried that this otherwise inexplicable light that seemed to be able to traverse great distances in short amounts of time, especially when it turned itself off which is kind of an integral part of the story. These lights were able to uh, follow people around, at least when you were seeing them from a third angle or from a third party perspective. In our opinion, it seemed as if these lights were very much stalking individuals right there in the vicinity. Then we noticed that these lights, uh, to, to just kind of move on, these lights came up to a location where we were and when these lights would turn off they would cover ground very quickly we had different names for them at the time spy bees or drones we were still unsure if they were military or um, actual phenomenon of some type and but what we did know is that they didn't move like anything we'd ever seen before and uh sure enough um This particular location, myself and another researcher, were in a quote-unquote safe area. And this light or lights seemed to immediately, unhumanly possible, from a technological perspective in my limited range, to, to see us from such a distance that they began to come in our general direction coming up a very rocky, practically unconceivable way to where we were located. And uh, sure enough, we both agreed that they were on to us. They were coming for us. What were we going to do? So we hid down in what we know and call the crack, which is just basically, and there's a lot of them, just basically two big rock formations and a small area where you can uh, get a couple of human bodies between these rock formations and sort of try to get off the radar and we we got down in this crack between the rocks uh, very sandy almost talcum powdery dust at the bottom like there is on a lot of the um, surrounding landscape and uh, you could see the light coming you know through the angle of the rock and oh my gosh what are we gonna do to make a long story short,
1: if I remember it, it hovered over you, and and it was very bright. And if I remember right, you said that you guys just, uh, whether it was a verbal agreement or not, you just you just stayed there and didn't move. You were just kind of praying that these things would go away.
0: Correct, and it did. It did exactly that, Eric. It it sh- it shined down on us. It was very bright. I remember looking. At my shadow on the ground, and just not believing how bright this light was, especially for something of this size. I mean, they seem very small. And um, after we were
1: they the were... size of a of a like a, a volleyball or a basketball or bigger or smaller. How would you how would you describe the size? Were we able to look? Were you able to peek up and look a little bit at them, or were they so bright that they were too blinding?
0: This is what's fascinating. If you could picture three. Have you, have you seen the movie Phantasm where there's that yeah. death ball, that chrome ball with a blade yeah. on it? If, yeah. you, if you could picture three of those without the blade in a triangular formation, so three silvery reflective balls flying in a tra- triangular formation, not connected in any way, shape or form, but keeping formation, that is exactly what it appeared to be. And... At random, it could engage or uh, light up and power in a 180-degree angle. So um, it could shine forward but not backward or whatever it was looking, quote-unquote, looking at. And very chrome, shiny, metallic balls flying in a triangular formation.
1: Uh, This was nighttime, right? But but yet I'm going to guess that you could see them in this chrome form was, was the moon out? I mean, you, you were, they were so close, you could actually see these things other than when they were lit. Is that what you're saying?
0: Yeah. When they got close enough, um, they didn't have to be very far away to seem like they, they were invisible. However, when they were right next to you, and I mean, we're talking six, seven feet away, you could actually make out, there was enough of moonlight that you could make out that they were three chrome or silver balls reflecting just enough that you could you could make it out not connected not connected they were maneuvering independent but in formation any
1: sound? any sound coming from these things
0: completely silent and uh it what what's odd is after we were flashed i immediately thought are we okay are we going to die of cancer what just happened what's going on we were you know checking each yeah. other out we're fine and then we heard a thud in that soft talcum powdery like desert sand, uh, right. j- just up and over the crack. Well, being researchers and investigators by nature, we obviously were intrigued at this point. Our safety went out the window again, and we peeked up and peered over this crack to where this formation, this, this light source, these balls had just landed into the desert floor. And you could still see the talcamy, uh, dust kind of settling of where it had landed. And we crawled out like, Hey man, we might actually be able to box this up and have some real data. And, um, just as that thought was going through my mind, uh, a swirling, a wispy swirling, Oh, kind of a small, much like the native Americans describe shapeshifter, dark adept, uh, where animal sort of entities manifesting in these dust devils, this thing, or the way the djinn is obviously described in the Middle East as a smokeless fire, it started swirling and these almost invisible, uh, they were just like gnats or fleas or flies or like fruit flies, the size of them. Um, they now, let
1: me uh, interrupt you at this point when they're swirling. Are they still soundless?
0: Totally soundless.
1: And and if I remember right, we're talking these things were less than 20 or 30 feet away from you. Is that correct? Oh, my gosh.
0: Man, we were way less. Way less than, way less than. I mean, like 10 feet maybe or something if I remember you saying. Possibly. Yeah, you're you're getting close there. there. Yeah, Yeah, right around there. And this thing, I mean, close enough that we're getting real. We got four eyes on it. We're getting a real good view of it. And it is swirling much like, um, gosh, just like a dust devil. But, you know, it it just seems like it's coming out of the ground. It's swirling. They're the size of fruit flies or slightly larger, possibly, and almost like nanoparticles swirling um, like a dark mist, like a dark mist. And then it materializes into a canine right before our very eyes just as solid a thing as um, the desk in front of me. And we both looked at each other like, what in the literal F? And it started walking uh, diagonally towards us, and we freaked out. I mean, we both literally freaked out, hung on to each other like we were two scared chipmunks in the wind, and... It demanifested almost as quickly as it manifested. It deep, partic like the particles demanifested, and um, it was gone. And I mean, this thing was so close; we could have reached out and pet it at this point. We got a very good look at it. Uh, very.
1: Would you say that this uh, this creature or whatever animal it appeared to be was bigger than a standard animal of that nature, or was it or was it the same size as like a wolf or something like that,
0: or what would you say? Very wolf-like, yeah, very yeah. wolf-like. Um, a large wolf or just a regular-sized wolf? Would you say? You know, I wouldn't put it in. Uh, now I've we've seen bigger wolves than this one. But it was definitely wolf-like. We've seen those crazy, what people talk about, these crazy elk-sized and deer-sized wolves following the waterways or up on the ridges. We've seen these. It was not that big, but it was not small. It was definitely a large and hefty canine, enough that it could perfectly mess us up.
1: So what happened next? So this thing dematerializes, you've got a moment to breathe. Do you you have a brief conversation with your partner or did did the next scene happen immediately thereafter?
0: No words. There was no words, literally disbelief in what we had just seen. Um, And uh, as we started to chatter, we noticed that from the same general direction, here comes a smaller animal, less... uh, Less intimidating, a porcupine, much smaller, and this is where things get strange. Um, it was not acting like a typical porcupine. It uh, was making strange sounds. It sat up on its on its butt, and it was sitting there. And it grabbed a rock, and it was playing with the rock, much like a um, rolling the rock on the ground in front of us in a circular nature. Yeah. And it, (laughs) this is where things get, we, at this point, we are literally like, are we in a time warp or is this even happening? It just started rolling a rock on the ground in a circular nature, sitting there like a person looking at us, like just kind of seeing how this particular observation was going. If this was a better way to interact and if we were going to freak out about this. And, um, that's the way the trickster is. I don't know for a fact if the second animal was just a whacked out crazy porcupine that, um, had lost its mind or like my, the fellow researcher said, what's going to happen is, is it going to light up a cigarette and start talking to us? It was not acting normal. And, um, but that's the problem when you're in these states and in these areas, these altered areas where dark adepts and shape, where this stalking can occur, you're literally at the whim of some of these precognitive sentient intelligences that obviously have powers that exceed our own. So all you can do is watch. But anyway, I don't wanna keep going on that. Um, what
1: well, there was one. What was the final part of the story, though? What didn't it then? It backed off, if I remember right. But then, didn't it remanifest again back into the wolf or something?
0: No one more time? No, that was it. The that was it. Yeah, the the real the real crazy thing was just seeing that composition of almost nanoparticles turn into a solid object right before our eyes. I mean, you can't make this stuff up. It's not no. It's just not anything that fits in any of the boxes. Yeah, Um,
1: and and I just want to say this since we're alive and we're discussing this will be is, you know, one of the things that I've been doing is before I really get into any research topic is, is I research the researchers. And it's my opinion, not because I like you and you're my kind of my friend, I'd say a, a new friendship, but I don't I don't think that you are embellishing or making up or exaggerating or gain, trying to gain any kind of fame or popularity by telling any of this information. I, I find you to be very sincere and genuine and very intelligent, and you're you're so I, I believe what you're telling me. And if people are listening and they don't believe it, then they they need to do more research and then try to figure out you know what's legit and what's not. I just I get irritated when. Uh, oh, they had that that so-and-so said this, and that's probably
0: a bunch of this. You know, it's like, shut up. Just shut up. And, I mean? and not to – you really get a lot more done when you don't draw attention to yourself. I'll throw that out yeah. there. Um, yeah. I, I wish that wouldn't have happened, and I didn't have that story, but it did happen. And um, there's a, a hundred stories just like it with locals in the area – And whether or not they come forward with it or not really depends on the time you catch them, the mood they're in, what were the occurrences taking place that evening. There are so many stories of cryptids, um, werewolf-like animals, dogmen, and uh, for lack of a better word, dark adepts that, I mean, the oral tradition has spoken of these for 15 generations that we're aware of. So... This is something that was there long before, long before, you know, Philo T. Farnsworth from Utah invented the television. This was this was stuff going on long before people. And that's why so many of these traditions keep this stuff close to the chest and don't discuss them, because the minute you do discuss them, it seems as if uh, that person's integrity is put to the test and people question their sanity And to be honest with you, myself and this other researcher have spoken many times exactly about that. Like, what did we see? Were we sane? What was taking place? And how could we possibly see something like that if it wasn't real? So it is, you know, it's a story I wish I didn't have, but it's something I really saw. And um, it's, it's just, like I said, innumerable other accounts from other individuals that have very similar stories, if not more wild. And, uh, yeah, man, lastly, as we wrap up here, what, um, what's, what, what's your next adventure? What are you concentrating on more and, uh, where can people keep up with you or get in touch with you or even converse with you online?
1: Yeah. uh, Again, it's uh, Eric, at Awakening Man, and then I've also uh, somebody uh, tagged me recently. Uh, Duke Sullivan from World Bigfoot Radio Radio called me the Adventuring Man, uh, so I thought I kind of like that actually because that's really what I am. So that's kind of a little yeah. But anyway, yeah. So my my plan now is to uh, I'm going back to Montana up to the uh, the site up there in Missoula where last year I was with uh, some Bigfoot researchers, some really. Uh, one of the guys uh, that I eventually actually went out to Falk Arkansas, uh, William Munsford, who <laughs> took me to his research area and, and I saw some things that blew my mind actually, but saw more tree structures but so yeah, I'm going back to Montana probably next weekend, and we're gonna go do some more research and uh back to the areas where we saw the tree structures and hopefully you know how it is you go you go somewhere it, it, you gotta, for me, I, you gotta go in just kind of free flowing and not with anticipa- anticipation of anything happening. You just you just accept that whatever experience that you're given, that you're grateful for. So I, I don't know. I'm hoping. I'm really hoping eventually to have a more of a direct. Like I tell my friends, that you know, I just want a Bigfoot to throw a rock at me, and if he hits me and it doesn't hurt, that's fine. You know, I, I just want to have a little bit more of a. I mean, I've heard the sounds. I've seen the trees that were pushed over when we were there last time. It uh, happened live while we were there. Two giant trees came down in the middle of forest. Uh We've seen the tree structure, so that was a great. Uh, that is what's enticing me to go back this year because I'm hoping that maybe whatever these things are, that they would be uh, so kind as to kill themselves. You know, I mean that's that's a pipe dream, but you never know. You never know. So yeah, so I, so Montana. Then on the way back, I'm stopping in Swan Valley, Idaho. Where I met a man last year who has property out there, like ten miles of property out in the middle of the forest. Uh, he says he's I could camp on his site. He tells me that the bigfoot come through his property every year and steal all the apples off his apple tree. He's got a, an area out there that he hunts in where he's seen uh, piles of bones uh, that he's going to take me out there and show me uh, where these. I mean, you know, <laughs> why would there be piles of bones in the middle of the forest? I mean, would, would humans do that? I don't think so. So yeah, and then back to Utah. Uh, I'm going to hang out with Jeff Brunel, and we're going to go up to the uh, the forest up there. Uh, what's that forest up there that's about 11,000 feet? I can't remember
0: the, the name. The Uintas. Of it, so. Yeah,
1: yeah. We're going to go up there and maybe uh, do some camping. Where we actually last year, were we were going through there by with a guide that says that he's having uh, interactions with these Bigfoot up there. As a matter of fact, which again, this is this is hard to believe, but in this world it's it's, there's so many stories that sound crazy but sometimes after you have an experience or two and you see things you start to think well maybe there is a possibility that this guy's telling the truth but he said that he's having interactions with them like literal habitual you know he's he's habitating with these these beings where they know him and he goes up there and he's interacting with them and he showed us their tree structures and and so I don't know, you know, how legit this guy is. But so round two, it's always to me, it's always the second time through. Uh, is is you're a little more prepared. You kind of know what you're doing more so than the first time you're there. So so yeah, that's that's going to be August, and then uh, we'll see after that uh, September, uh, October. Awesome. you know i'm excited i lost 20 pounds this, uh, last uh, summer and i'm i got in better shape so i'm ready to hike i could go two and a half three hours hiking in the forest and and not get exhausted and that's kind of what the plan is to so we we'll be deep in there deep in there so yeah i'm excited i'll, I'll definitely be post if anything happens though, well, i'll call you and we'll do another show if you
0: definitely want. <laughs> do and i will also be in august in utah i don't know if you can make it it's an amazing think tank and a Gathering. Oh,
1: that's right. That's what the 17th or the 16th or something.
0: Uh, it's it's known as the Moon Lake Gathering. It's actually at Altamont City Park and it's August 12th and 13th. They're gonna feature topics, uh, lost gold mines. I I, I
1: remember reading that. I'm and I do want to go, and I matter of fact, I will go. So, my goal will be to spend like a week up there in Montana, then come back down to and hang out with uh, Jeff at his house and I'll I'll plan it in a way where I could be at that event that you're talking about because that sounds like a real uh, educational event that's going to go down.
0: Yeah, there's going to be great people there, and there's a mystery speaker that you don't want to miss. I'll send you the info right after we get off.
1: Yeah, super. Yeah, I'm excited. So, yeah, we'll, we'll be seeing each other then in a couple, two or three weeks. I'm looking forward to it. Um, so yeah, super, super glad to meet you. Thanks for having me on your show. I, I really don't do very many shows, but if I trust the person like you, I'll, I'll get on there and just tell my stories with no fear. Uh, some of these shows, you know, is, it, you know, you get on these shows and they just want to uh, harass you or, 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 hassle you or whatever. It's like, I, I, don't, I don't have time for that. Yeah, you know I mean?
0: <laughs> I appreciate just talking to a researcher. That's the real deal. And, uh, right on, <laughs> you are, so have a great rest Thanks. of your day. Thanks so much, Eric.
1: Okay, take care, buddy. Bye-bye.
0: Man, there you have it. Eric, the awakening man, possibly now going to be the adventuring man. He's the real deal, always in the field. Never, ever just kicking back and listening to what others say. He's out investigating himself, talking to people who are boots on the ground as he stands beside them. If you want to keep up with him, basically keep an eye out for Eric Awakening Man or soon to possibly become Adventuring Man. You know where he's at. You can always hopefully hear him here. We'll definitely try to get him back on the podcast as soon as possible or if you are going to be able to be in Utah in August, that's this August 12th and 13th, it sounds like he'll be there as well. The Moon Lake Gathering, also known as the 23rd Annual Morgan Powwow, We'll have featured topics with lost gold mines and treasure, history, legends of folklore of the area, ghosts, giants, Bigfoot, paranormal, and UFOs. We are going to have a Friday night, 5 p.m. to 10 p.m. speakers, Scott Peterson, a treasure hunter, Dave Bullock, a professional storyteller, myself representing Space Wolf Research, talking about shapeshifters, We have Yutana Jessup. She's talking about ancient giants in the area. Saturday, that would be August 13th, we have an open mic, and we're going to go into relics, artifacts, and stories. We'll bring some of the artifacts found at Space Wolf Research. I know some of these treasure hunters are also going to bring artifacts, treasure hunters like Terry Carter, who we hope to have on the podcast soon. And Saturday night from 5 p.m. to 10 p.m., there's going to be a mystery speaker you do not want to miss. We're also going to have Dave Rosenfeld, a.k.a. Alien Dave from uh, the Utah UFO Hunters, founder of the Utah UFO Hunters and Area 52 TV personality. Dave Bullock, again, talking gold mines and treasure. Dan Lowe, an amazing historian, Spanish researcher, and so much more. Try to catch up with Eric Awakening Man there if you come out. Something to not be missed. The 2022 Annual Moon Lake Gathering, and it's not one of these conferences where there's high ticket prices and a bunch of uh, people that are just there for the money. No, these are real researchers. There, it's a passion project. It's an absolutely free conference because that's how you give back to the community that supports you. Be there, check it out. Going to be amazing. Until next time, keep your eyes to the skies, feet on the ground, but don't forget to take a look around. <laughs> Come blast off in my time machine. Third I feel like it need Visine. Blast off, blast off, blast off, blast off. Blast off. Come, blast off in my time machine. Third, I feel like an EVITE seen Blast off, blast off, blast off, blast off.